0: As you can see today, I'm not using my green screen as usual, because uh, I'm wearing green. <laughs> so if, I, if I, I used a green screen and wore a green shirt, I'll be this disembodied head, just hanging off in the middle of thin air. So I thought today we'll uh, we just have a little change, nice, plain background. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bring clarity to my thoughts, my words, and the meditations of all our hearts. May the posture in which I speak and we all listen to your word bring glory to you, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, if you could pick any person in the world, who would you like to be? Now think about that for a moment. Anyone in the world at all, who would you pick? Who would you like to be? Now Chances are a bunch of you would have uh, picked Jesus because, hey, we're in church, uh, a, a pastor asked you that question, right? Uh, but some of you may have picked a rich tycoon, some sort of rich tycoon, uh, because you know, if you're them, you don't need to work or you may have picked some famous sports person, uh, somebody who is always winning and and never has to face losing or failure, Uh, or maybe a a talented actor of some sort or musician, somebody who has millions of adoring fans. Uh, Whoever it was, I think I can confidently say that you picked someone that you consider to be successful in life. Uh, During his time, everyone would have wanted to be like king solomon he had money uh, about i mean by, by rough rough estimate he had about 18,125 kilograms of gold per year as tribute so people gave him this amount of gold 18,125 kilograms of gold per year and he had power israel at the, at the time of his reign was firmly established over her enemies because king david had had already uh, done most of the war and the conquering and so solomon just got to reap the benefits and he also had women he had a king solomon had a 1000 women in total a combination of wives and concubines uh, a lot of them were princesses of other nations so he had all the typical things that the world typically wants. But he had one extra thing that set him apart from everyone else. He had great wisdom. Now, if you've been following along with our church's uh, one year Bible reading plan, you would have come across 1 Kings chapter 3 on Wednesday. And, and that's the story where Solomon asked for discernment in order to rule his kingdom well. And God is pleased with his request, and so he grants him great wisdom, and he gives him the bonus of wealth and honor and long life, as long as he was obedient to God's commands. And so out of his great wisdom, he wrote about 3,000 proverbs and uh, around a 1,000 songs. And songs at the time was, was not for selling and making money. It wasn't just for because uh, it's nice to listen to, but it was also a form of wisdom as well. And so, many of these Proverbs were edited into the book of Proverbs around King he- Hezekiah of Judah's time. And one of the main purposes of Proverbs, uh, as you can see from chapter 1, verse 2, is that it is for gaining wisdom. The Proverbs of King Solomon, for gaining wisdom. Now, today we are examining this whole area of Wisdom. And the big idea for today is that wisdom comes from fearing God and being humble enough to learn. Let me repeat that. Wisdom comes from fearing God and being humble enough to learn. So if you forget everything that I preach today, this is the one sentence to remember to apply over the course of your week and the rest of your life, that wisdom comes from fearing God and being humble enough to learn. Unlike Ecclesiastes and Job, which are also called, uh, considered wisdom literature. They tend to be more philosophical. Uh, Proverbs is a very practical book. It's a very down-to-earth practical book. Proverbs speaks on a wide range of topics. It talks about diligence. It talks about laziness. It talks about friendship. It talks about how we speak to one another. Uh, it talks about bringing up kids. It talks about business ethics. It talks about corruption. And it also talks about marriage. I remember uh, when I first started reading the Bible, I I remember getting so confused why there would be four or five verses, uh, chapter after chapter, very near each other, about how it is better to live on a corner of a roof than to live with a quarrelsome wife. Uh, I, I, I think there is a lot of wisdom in that. I thank God that I did not marry a quarrelsome wife so I can live in my whole house. And not just the corner of the roof. Uh, related, there's also one bit, one nugget of wisdom about uh, how it's uh, the, the nagging of a woman is like a, a dripping, uh, a leaky roof during a stormy, stormy day. Uh, and there's a lot of wisdom in that too. Uh, I'm not being sexist, okay. This can be the, the nagging of a, a husband can be like a leaky roof. Sure, I'm sure my, my wife can tell you that as well. Uh, so anyway, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of wisdom in all of Solomon's Proverbs. And it's this whole wide range of topics that are very practical that we all can relate to uh, even today. And so, if some of the Proverbs sound weird in English, uh, it's probably because it was written in Hebrew poetry to help people to remember uh, during that time, people couldn't read, right? And they didn't. Uh, they didn't have the printing press. They didn't publicize. Uh, they didn't publish books. People couldn't read by at night and all that. So, people every, all learning and and how wisdom was passed on was through oral tradition, right? I think I mentioned this before. Uh, that people would listen. People would listen rather than read. Okay, and and they would recount these. Proverbs and nuggets of wisdom uh, to one another using their words, and uh, we actually do the the same thing today. Okay, so just to give you a contemporary example, "No pain, no gain" is an English proverb. It rhymes, it's short, it's easy to remember. "Sedikit sedikit lama lama menjadi bukit." Okay, is another uh, is a Malay proverb that rhymes and short, easy to remember, and so. Solomon's Proverbs has this in Hebrew poetry, doesn't rhyme in English, but in Hebrew uh, it tends to have a lot of puns and a lot of same-sounding things and so it's easy for people to remember. Uh, One thing we need to get right uh, about reading Proverbs is that a lot of these Proverbs talk about principles to apply, not promises and not prophecies to claim. Principles to apply and not prophecies or promises to claim. Uh, Yes, uh, Proverbs chapter 2 and 3 does talk about the moral benefits and the results of well being uh, if you have wisdom. And uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33 also talks about how those who are wise find life, safety, ease, and fearlessness. And so, yes, these are general patterns in God's order of things, in His good design. But we know how sin has corrupted all creation and so even the foolish prosper and the wise can die young. Uh, But these are still exceptions that God allows rather than the norm of God's good design. And so Proverbs is still very relevant, the wisdom of God's word is still very relevant in bringing about uh, uh, the general pattern of the things that they describe. Okay, With that out of the way, let's look at why we need wisdom. Uh, There are many definitions for wisdom, but I like the way Charles Spurgeon describes it. Uh, He wrote, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great, a fool, as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And so the right use of knowledge, or the right application of knowledge, this is the the working definition for wisdom. And this is consistent with how the Bible looks at wisdom. In the case of uh, biblical or godly wisdom, uh, what is the right way to use knowledge is defined by God, who is our standard for all things that are good and right. We'll examine this more closely later. Uh, For Solomon, he needed wisdom to govern God's people well. And so that was his motive for asking for it. For those in leadership positions today, uh, yes, we need wisdom to lead well as well. But wisdom is not limited to one particular task or to one particular role. We also need wisdom to live life well because there's only one life for us to live. I think I mentioned this before, that when, during the, the moment of our spiritual rebirth, when we, we reconcile back to the Father through faith in Jesus, that is the time when our one life that we have now continues on into eternity. And so from the moment of our faith in Jesus, we have a spiritual reawakening, a spiritual rebirth. That life continues from now here on earth. And it stretches on into eternity. We have to make the best of this life. And not only are we responsible to be good stewards of God's gift of life, nobody aims to live a horrible life. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I want to set out to make as many poor decisions as I can so I can live a horrible life. And so, Earlier, when I asked you to pick someone you, you would like to be, I'm sure none of you pick somebody who's considered a failure in life, right? And so everybody wants to have the best life possible. So how can you make the most of this life that you have right now? And this is where wisdom comes in. It correctly uses available knowledge for the best possible life that we can live now in God's order. Now, some of us may have this common picture of wisdom being for other people, uh, that only leaders need to be wise, or wisdom is for older people, it's for no fun people, it's for white hair people, it's for uh, no hair people. Uh, I learned this from Helen and Lena. If you don't know who this is, you you go and ask them uh, when you meet them again in church, when we do meet again. Uh, But if you want to live well, you want wisdom. If you want to live well, you want to have wisdom. The book of Proverbs describes wisdom as a way or a path 80 times in the book of Proverbs. So you're either on the path of wisdom or you are off the path of wisdom. And without wisdom, the alternative is foolishness. Foolishness is trying to live life, the, the best life, the wrong way. It's like try, trying to, to swim from Green Lane to Bayan La Paz. Try. Try and swim from Green Lane to Bayan La Paz. Even if it's raining season, I don't think you'll be able to swim all the way from Green Lane to Bayan La Paz. It doesn't make sense. You can have the best intentions, you can try really hard, but you're not going to go anywhere. And so foolishness is like trying to live the best kind of life, the wrong way now, something to take note in the Bible the fool is not just intellectually challenged they are not just dirdo people uh, who make mistakes all the time. they are morally deficient. they are synonymous with being wicked and being evil. If you read all the biblical accounts of foolishness uh, they describe things like adultery, uh, dishonest gain, pride, reckless anger, These are all descriptions of foolish people and they are also rooted, all these things, adultery, dishonest gain, pride, reckless anger, all these things are rooted in sinful acts and sinful motives. And so foolishness and wickedness and sin are almost synonymous, they are tied closely together. There's one more type of people that Proverbs talks a lot about and these are the the simple. Uh, These are the gullible, those without moral direction. And if they don't choose wisdom, they are inclined to foolishness because of their sinful nature. And so all of us start out simple. All of us start out without a a specific moral direction, but we have that bend towards foolishness and sin because of our sinful nature. In our modern times today, we live in an age of readily available knowledge. You don't need to enroll in a class, you don't even need to buy a book nowadays, you can spend a lifetime learning through Wikipedia or YouTube alone. Just two sites and you can spend your entire life learning about all sorts of things from general knowledge to in-depth topics on science and mathematics and engineering and, and theology and all kinds of things, just from two sides. But with the exponential increase of knowledge and ready access of it, there is a corresponding exponential need for the right use of it. Let me repeat that. With the exponential increase of knowledge and ready access of it in our modern time, there is a corresponding exponential need for the right use of it. Wisdom. In our modern times, we have no shortage of intellectual drive, especially for our children. But to repeat Spurgeon's quote once again, there is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. We all need wisdom, Prince. No one is exempt. Okay, now that we've established that, how do we get wisdom? Let's look at the requirements for wisdom. You can think of these as a uh, minimum system requirements, like how in order to install and run Windows 10, you need at least one gigahertz processing speed, one gigabyte of RAM and 16 gigabytes of hard disk space. Uh, or maybe that, that's for a generation uh, that, that used to pay attention to these things. Maybe now for the mobile generation, minimum system requirements in order to run Zoom, uh, you need iOS 8.0 or later, or you need an Android phone that supports uh, Android 5.0 X or later, that sort of thing. Okay? And so in order to get wisdom, the minimum requirements for wisdom, the first thing you need is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction." Now, the Hebrew word for knowledge can also be used to mean wisdom, in the sense of the knowledge of God. And there is a similar statement in Proverbs 9, verse 10, where it reads, "...the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding." Now, in case you've forgotten what Pastor Ronald mentioned about the fear of the Lord a couple of months back, the fear of the Lord is not one of terror. Okay, It's not screaming in horror because you see God. Not that kind of fear. It is one of reverence. Uh, I like how this preacher puts it, uh, G. Campbell Morgan. He says that there are two kinds of fear. A selfish fear that God will hurt me, or a love-based fear that I will grieve God or hurt God. Let me repeat that. There are two kinds of fear. A selfish fear that God will hurt me, or a love-based fear that I will hurt God. And so the fear of the Lord that we're talking about here is the second one. Loving God so much that we are afraid of hurting Him with who we are or what we do. I mentioned earlier that God is our standard for the right way to use knowledge. And so just like how foolishness is synonymous with wickedness and sin, Wisdom is synonymous with goodness and righteousness, as defined by who God is. So you may ask, does this mean that wisdom always has a, a moral element to it? Well, wisdom definitely involves the skillful application of knowledge, but I think the, the motives behind our use of that knowledge and the end, result, the, the end result of what we use that knowledge for is ultimately what distinguishes wisdom from foolishness or as uh, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 3 puts it doing what is right and just and fair now take note of that in the world's definition of success doing what is right what is just and what is fair uh, those are not typical benchmarks for a successful life in our modern world those who are driven by money or pleasure at all costs would not consider it wise to spend your life doing what is right and just and fair. So you cannot have wisdom without the fear of the Lord. And that's just the beginning. What else do you need for wisdom? Uh, Obviously, you need knowledge to apply. And there's no greater knowledge than what has been revealed by God in His Word. I'll talk more about this later so I won't spend so much time on it now. Uh, What else do you need for wisdom? Well, humility is key. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. And the reason why humility is so important is because with humility comes teachability, the ability to be taught, the ability to learn. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says, The way of fools seem right to them, but the wise listen to advice. In other words, if you want to acquire wisdom, you need to start by admitting that you need it so that you can start learning, so that you can be in that posture of learning. Now, the most important thing that you need for wisdom is to ask God. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 tells us, For the Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Without God to give us wisdom, we remain with the group called the simple, inclined towards foolishness through our sinful nature. And so ask God for wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Let me just uh, quickly share with you, uh, asking for wisdom has been one of my most regular prayer requests. I, I think people who who have prayed with me before know that that this is a recurring prayer request of mine. And God has certainly answered. Uh, he he has definitely answered my prayer many times. I I keep coming back to the same prayer uh, many times, even though He answers, because I, I sense there is an ongoing need for me personally. And so. Well, that's probably because God wants to keep me humble and dependent on Him. So this is good news for everyone, not just for me, but for everyone, that wisdom is within reach for all who fear God and all who are humble enough to be willing to learn and ask from Him. Now I don't say this because I have arrived. I I really don't think that uh, I... I'm ever wise enough, in fact, I think those who think that they are wise enough are only proving that they are not. (laughs) Uh, But wisdom is available for everyone, you don't need a genius level IQ, you don't need to have written 20 books, you don't even need to have white hair or no hair. Uh, Even the young can be wise. Uh, King Solomon, for example, became king probably around 20 years old. So anyone can be wise and everyone who who truly desires the best life that God has for them uh, should be wise. Let us now look at the application of wisdom. Uh, One crucial component of wisdom is applying it. Because without application, it remains mere knowledge. Jesus gave us the parable of wise and foolish builders and that's directly relevant here. Those who know how to apply knowledge the right way uh, They are still foolish if they don't actually do it. They don't actually apply it. Now Let's talk about the elephant in the room here. King Solomon, wisest man on earth, ended up being led astray into idolatry by his many, 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 many wives and concubines. Uh, His own son, Rehoboam, was extremely foolish, leading to the split of Israel's kingdom. He listened to the counsel of his peers, foolish peers, rather than the the wiser elders. Uh, It seems as though Solomon, when he was older, he didn't follow his own advice on women and child raising. And he was also running in direct contradiction to uh, what God had mentioned about kings in in Deuteronomy earlier, about not accumulating so much uh, wealth and, and horses and having lots of wives because they would turn their hearts away to idolatry. And that's exactly what happened. Since, uh, and so Solomon did not apply what he himself knew. It may have been this experience of uh, being turned to idolatry and his own foolishness that led him to write Ecclesiastes as he reflected on his own foolishness and his own uh, search for uh, coming back to wisdom and thankfully the 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 last say that Ecclesi- ecclesiastes has is that with uh, you know everything is meaningless but essentially his 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 uh, summary at the end is uh, essentially with god there is meaning and so since the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom the continuation of it is knowing the lord better And the continuing continuing of that even further is the living out of that knowledge of God. Not just in terms of facts, but also relationally as a person. Uh, For us today, the Bible is our primary source and our best source of wisdom. Not just in Proverbs, but uh, the entire Bible. Not just wisdom literature. The entirety of the Bible. And what sets it apart from all the other self-help books that you can find today on how to get rich or how to win friends or how to have effective habits is that it gives you the inside scoop of how to live life from the designer of life himself. So if you want to be wise, know God through your Bible. Uh, Yes, you can read Christian literature, Christian thinkers, authors, speakers. They can often supplement that But even then they're really drawing from the same source, the Bible. Learn wisdom from the Bible and apply it. Now the thing about good application is that it requires good Bible study. Especially in the whole area of studying the original context to bridge the gap between ancient and modern. So if you're looking at ancient wisdom, how to apply it to modern context, uh, you need to understand the ancient context. Take note of the number of times that you see in today's passage, uh, the words instruction, knowledge, understanding. In today's passage alone, just look at the number of times you see that. In fact, in the whole of Proverbs, you see these words, variations of these words, instruction, knowledge, and understanding, about 112 times. I, some, uh, I sometimes hear people say, I have simple faith and all this studying and learning is not for me or uh i 'm not the studious type uh, i don't. i don't uh, you, you give me a book, no way i 'm going to read it. you give me the Bible uh, how to understand it, you know that sort of thing. Uh, I also hear people say in Bible study discussions that ignorance is bliss, uh, because life becomes more complicated, the more you learn, so just don't learn more and life is simpler. Uh, but the great commandment that Jesus gave is not just loving God with all our heart and with all our soul, but also with all our mind. This is something I've been telling our MYF, our our youth. Our Christian faith is not a brainless, blind faith. We have an intellectual responsibility to use what God has given us to the extent of what He has given us. And so if He has given us the the mental faculties and ability to comprehend and to dig deeper into His Word, we really should be exercising that. Today, in a time when so many churches' physical doors are closed, there are still many opportunities for learning. And uh, the first place I would ask you to go is our small groups, uh, where you don't only learn through through the, the time of the Word and Bible study, but you also get opportunities to apply what you learn. In Christian Fellowship. Another place that you can look into uh, Bible Study Fellowship, BSF classes they're still running online at this point I know because my, my mom is attending. Uh, STM Seminary Theology Malaysia, uh, the Bible College I went to uh, they are also offering free webinars at this time so if you're, if you're interested just go to their website stm.edu.my uh, and many online resources that usually charge over like 600 ringgit for one course are now offering it for free during the pandemic, uh, Pastor Ronald shared some links with some of us uh, uh, earlier. Now I'll link you to one place where they've, there's this uh, university, uh, they've compiled free resources available during the period of COVID-19 in this pandemic, it's not my work, it's not my compilation, I'm just linking you to this website. Okay, where, where it's all there and the link that you can go to is tinyurl.com slash COVID-19 free resources. I created this link as a shortcut to that university website. Easier to remember. Huh? Okay. Again, uh, not, not my work, not my compilation. I'm just directing. They have compiled the, the link of free resources during COVID-19 time. And so all these resources are available all these resources to learn. I remember, as you increase in knowledge, ask God for the wisdom to apply it well and always be on the lookout for opportunities to apply what you've learned. Or you can be the wisest person, hit knowledge-wise, you can still end up like Solomon. One more thing I want to highlight about uh, the applying of wisdom is that throughout the book of Proverbs there is a great emphasis on intergenerational teaching. Uh, for the l- younger people to learn from the older people. Now, we've looked at the importance of intergenerational discipleship from Deuteronomy chapter 6, when the MCO first started, and uh, I-, I want to point out that intergenerational discipleship is not just intergenerational worship, or intergenerational devotion, or intergenerational Bible study. It includes those things, but it is not just any of those things. Parents have the responsibility of teaching their children to apply God's teachings and values in the struggles of life. And so basically the passing on of wisdom. So parents, don't fall into the trap of treating family discipleship as just another subject for homeschooling or just another family activity. Look for opportunities to teach and guide towards wisdom. A lot of times this doesn't happen Uh, in in a sit-down session where you start sharing. No, it happens as you do life together. And opportunities for passing on wisdom and godly values uh, surfaces at that time. Now, Lastly, the pursuit of wisdom is not easy. Wisdom requires teaching and discipline. The Hebrew word for instruction actually means discipline. And so learning takes work and it's not always pleasant. Anyone who has ever studied anything or had to go through an exam knows that learning is hard work and it's not always pleasant. On the flip side, foolishness is the path of least resistance. And so if, it's, if it's, there's really no effort on your part at all uh, in anything, you can bet that eventually you will find your way into foolishness. Because wisdom and uh, the pursuit of wisdom is hard work. But I don't have to tell you that. Uh, We know that as disciples of Jesus, we can't expect a life of ease if we're called to be like Him. Because not only did He suffer, not only did He not have an easy life, Christ was wisdom personified. In His youth, He displayed great wisdom to the religious teachers. Uh, his teachings and parables obviously display wisdom that constantly astounded people, and Paul outright calls him the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians chapter one verse twenty-four. So, coming back to that question that I asked you at the beginning, who you would pick? If, if who you would pick if you could be anybody, uh, yes, you can change your answer. If your answer was to be like Jesus Christ, then congratulations, you are on the path to wisdom.